0: been really interested in culture. It's those unwritten rules that tell us how to behave within a particular group and how we're going to treat outsiders when we're representing that group. I'm also really interested in corporate culture specifically. A lot of organizations define their corporate culture by pointing to their mission, vision, and value statements, but those statements tend to be really similar across organizations even though they express themselves very differently. So for example, if we were to look at excellence, a lot of organizations like to have excellence as a value. And why, I not? But does excellence as a value mean that the people that work there drive hard and at all costs to achieve goals? Or does it mean that the organization is deeply committed to providing outstanding above and beyond customer service? Each of those could be an expression of excellence, but they would lead to two very different corporate cultures. Let me tell you a story. A number of years ago, I was working as a consultant and one of my clients was in the HR organization at Kraft. And at this time, Kraft was acquiring Cadbury, the British chocolate company. My client was traveling pretty frequently between the United States and Britain for meetings related to this acquisition. And on this particular trip, She flew into Heathrow, she got into a taxi, she gave the driver the address she wanted to go to, and when they pulled up outside Cadbury headquarters, the driver turned around and said to her, Oh, I thought I smelled cheese. Well, he may not have known what it was like to work at Kraft, and he may not have known what it was like to work at Cadbury, but he clearly had a very strong opinion about those things. And this was probably fueled by a campaign that had been launched in England to keep Cadbury British. Maybe what we learn here is that culture is not as invisible as we think it is. What I know for sure is that it exerts a strong influence. And when two different corporate cultures come together, the possibility for how that plays out is endless.
1: Beyond the Standard is produced by Accreditation Commission for Healthcare. ACHC supports quality improvement and patient safety by offering education and accreditation services that span the continuum of care. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the speakers and do not necessarily represent official policy or positions of the company or companies with which the participants are affiliated.
0: I'm Angela Fitzsimmons. And today I'm talking with Jose Domingos, the president and CEO of Accreditation Commission for Healthcare, more commonly known as ACHC, and with Meg Gravesmill, former CEO of the Accreditation Association for Hospitals and Health Systems, the parent company of HVAP. Meg is now vice president of the HVAP brand within ACHC. Thank you both for being here for the very first episode of Beyond the Standard. Jose, would you kick off our conversation? Can you tell us a little bit about ACHC and about your journey to your current position there?
2: Absolutely, uh, thank you, Angela. And I will try to keep this short, but also want to keep in mind the story that you opened with. We'll try not to uh, have that type of effect on, on anyone that we touch going forward. Um, my uh, my story on how I arrived here is uh, is probably not typical. Uh, I have worked for medical device companies for the last 20 years, prior to joining ACHC nine years ago. And um, while I was working for a medical device company, I was running a surgical division for them, and I was uh, running a custom kitting division for them. And uh, at the time, I didn't know it that one of the key quality uh, personnel within that organization was actually on the board and was the chairperson for ACHC. I ended up leaving that organization and then uh, was leading a global effort uh, to improve women's health. And um, that person reached out to me at one point and said, um, you know, I've gotten uh, exposure to how you operate and your attention to customer service um, in running these divisions for this prior company. And we think that um, your approach would suit ACHC well. And uh, at the time, to be perfectly honest, I didn't know too much about not-for-profit organizations. Um, I certainly didn't know what accreditation was or was not well-versed in it. And uh, at the time, I actually went to ACHC's website to learn more about it. And uh, it it left something uh, to the imagination because I, I did not get a clear message as to what accreditation was all about from their website. So it appeared to me that there was some work to be done there. Um, But one thing led to another, and I ultimately ended up joining the organization with the intention of perhaps filling the role that I'm in today, but came in as vice president of marketing and business development. Um, And then uh, eventually the the president that was in place retired, and uh, I was uh, given the opportunity to lead the organization. And so ultimately, trying to keep it short, that's how I ended up at ACHC.
0: Thanks, Jose. Now, Meg, I think your story is a little bit different because I think you had some additional background in accreditation, so at least you knew where, what it was when you joined AAHHS.
3: Yeah, that I could, that I do. Um, so first, let me give you a little bit about HVAP. Um, it's the nation's oldest healthcare accreditor, and it originally was developed in 1945 by the American Osteopathic Association. Most people refer to it by its acronym of AOA. And the reason they developed it was there really was no quality program for hospitals that had osteopathic physician training programs. So they're like, hey, quality is important to us. Let's develop a program. And that grew as the continuum of care grew, and they added more programs. And they had two different program segments. Uh, One is accreditation, which looks at the organization in totality. And they developed uh, accreditation programs for ambulatory surgery centers, laboratories, critical access hospitals, and behavioral health. Now, within the healthcare segment, um, there are disease-specific groups that also wanted some additional identification and quality measures, and and those are tied to the program that's dubbed certification. And so HVAP developed um, certification programs for stroke, lithotripsy, wound, and joint replacement, and those are actually in the inpatient and the outpatient setting. Uh, So that's a little bit about HVAP. As far as me, I went to college, got a degree, got my bachelor of science degree, and that included an internship and then a a job within um, the the laboratory within Heinz VA. And then later I had an opportunity to move from the patient care environment into the world of accreditation operations. Uh, Over time, this led me to HVAP. And it was interesting with HVAP, it's um, it's very appealing in its consultative and its educational um, nature. Uh, where We're looking to go in and do surveys with organizations and have them learn and, and not be scared from the process. Uh, and as exciting as HVAP's philosophy is, it just wasn't seeing its full potential as a nationwide accreditor. So um, as you can imagine, uh, HVAP looked for ways to continue uh, to grow uh, and also to grow its participation in the continuum of patient care. And that's anywhere a patient can receive um, care. So we were looking for ways for HVAP to move to the, the next level. And that's where I think we get involved with the story with Jose. Okay. So Jose, let
0: me go back and ask you a little bit about ACHC. Meg's told us that HVAP um, was addressing hospitals and um, and some other areas, um, but ACHC had a different target.
2: We, we did. Um, You know, and and this is part of why this was such a good fit. And I'm sure we're going to talk about more about that. But we are generally or had been um, an organization that accredited community-based health services. And when I joined the organization, one of my objectives very early on, as a matter of fact, if you you looked at my um, 90-day plan that I ultimately shared with the board um, during that initial interview process, I mentioned the interest of wanting to get to become a full service accreditor. And that included uh, hospital accreditation, it included surgery center, laboratory, all of those things. And so um, we really were an organization that had a vision for what we wanted to be. But the addition of HVAP really helped us bring that to fruition sooner and with a reputable and recognized program already in the industry. And so a combination of the two, it couldn't have been better because we, we had very little overlap. And we really met each other's needs, and uh, we're going to talk about, I'm sure, culture and additional program fits, but that's um, that's where ACHC was, and that's why, part of the reason anyway, why HVAC is such a great fit as well.
0: So we've got two leaders of um, not competing organizations, but organizations in the same arena of accreditation. Um Tell me how you came to be discussing this merger. It's not like you can just, you know, call somebody up and say, hey, what do you think of this? How how did that happen? Jose?
1: Yeah,
2: no, I'm happy to comment on that. Actually, your last comment, you you can call somebody up and just mention that. But uh, I think it was a combination of multiple things. I I think that, as I mentioned earlier, um, our mission was always to... Expand our services to be able to provide the entire uh, solution for accreditation for the entire continuum of care uh, I had expressed that interest. I think I, I met Meg at one of the AO meetings that we have with CMS on an annual basis and uh, We talked we 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 had multiple meetings at those events um, Or exposure to each other at those events and I think over time we learned about the philosophies by which we run our businesses and um I think we also had a, a, uh, a mutual industry acquaintance that probably brought us together and facilitated that conversation as well. So, uh, yes, it, it was a, a phone call, uh, but I think Meg was uh, expecting my phone call because that, uh, that third party helped us uh, with that communication. But um, ultimately, it was about bringing two organizations together that had really similar cultures and a, an approach to doing business. And so that, that's how it, uh, it basically came to, uh, to be.
0: Maggie, is that how you remember it, too?
3: Yeah, um, I was actually interested in learning more from the growth of ACHC's international successes. And uh, through this third party, they, you know, I was encouraged to talk with Jose, and he was very kind to talk with me. And, and it was interesting, as we talked about things, we, we learned more about our organizations, and we found that there's really a lot of commonalities between our two organizations, yet there wasn't that overlap of services provided. We were separate and distinct.
0: So Meg, you you mentioned early on that you were thinking about um, how to take HVAP to the next level, how to grow it, Um, and so how did the merger discussions factor into that plan?
3: So I got to give you a little bit more information about HVAP, I think. Um, It started out as a program, or some people would call it a department, of the AOA. So it wasn't a freestanding legal entity, and uh, there was changes within AOA, and they decided that having a Accreditation program really didn't fit with their mission statement anymore, so they were looking to um, sell or have it acquired by an accrediting organization. Now there are several accrediting organizations within um, the Chicago area, and so they had reached out to a group um, that I was formerly with called the Accreditation Association for Hospitals and Health Systems. We'll call it AAWHS. Um, so as a new accrediting organization, I was tasked in the development of this this group. And by purchasing an existing deemed accreditor, which means it already had federal approval from CMS, it was a great way to accelerate the growth of AAHS. Um, However, the process of moving accreditation programs from one owner to another, um, our audience probably knows this as the chow process. And while the change of ownership or chow process is very normal for providers, it's something CMS had not encountered among accreditation organizations. So, While we had discussions and agreements about the principles of the transition, uh, completing that transition process for all of the HVAP programs that were deemed uh, was a multiple year process. So while HVAP was busy completing this transition process with CMS, we really couldn't focus on the growth of our organization and we did have limited resources. So once we actually got through the process with CMS, uh, and that was in early 2019, uh, the HVAP programs actually started gaining some traction organizations were expressing interest in us and uh, they were like, well, you guys are around. We're like, yes, HVAP has been around since 1945. So it was, it was nice to talk to them again. Um, The groups that were really getting some traction were um, tied to our hospitals with our stroke certification programs and also our ambulatory surgery centers. Uh, They were looking for another entity that could provide really good support. Customer support is very important to them, but also a very quick turnaround. So when an ASC opens, they need to get their accreditation quickly uh, so that they can start getting their 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 um, finances reimbursed to them. Um, so during two, 2019, you know, Jose and I were talking about our two organizations, and we thought, you know, it's time to go to our respective boards to to talk about this more. Uh, so by the middle of 2019, we had both gone uh, to our respective boards to talk about the merger, and they said, you know, this is a really good idea. We should we should do some exploration. So um, in November of 2019, Jose and a couple of his board members actually traveled to Chicago, made a physically live presentation uh, about a, what a merger could look like, and the uh, the board uh, agreed for further exploration, and then COVID hit.
0: Ah, so what kind of impact did the COVID outbreak have for HVAP?
3: Ah, oh, yes, COVID has impacted everybody, right? Um, it, so first and foremost of our, our customers. Um, the customers saw an increase in patient volume. They saw a decrease or a shortage of PPE equipment, Um, There was a total decline in elective procedures, both at the uh, hospital and the ambulatory surgery centers. And then there was the domino effect of travel restrictions. Nobody could go anywhere. That had a big impact on our surveyors being able to go to do surveys. Uh, Initially, CMS put a moratorium on surveys. And then there was uncertainty as, well, how are we going to be moving forward? So we, along with the rest of the company, moved to an all-remote workforce. Uh, And then we had to ask ourselves, well, how are we going to do our job? You know, evaluating quality and doing this smartly through a pandemic situation is very important. So we began collecting data on a weekly basis from our organizations. Um, We evaluated the safety and travel and availability of PPE for our surveyors. We listened to our customers to see, you know, do you have the bandwidth to undergo a survey? Uh, We listened to our surveyors who were also looking at our data saying, are you feeling safe to go and perform a survey? And all of this resulted in us beginning to do our surveys again on site uh, beginning the summer of 2020, but at a reduced pace.
0: So, Jose, was the impact of COVID-19 on ACHC similar to what it was for HVAP?
2: I don't think it was. I, I certainly it was initially. Uh, you know, when COVID hit, nobody knew what, how to react. Uh, that was There was probably a month or two months where things kind of shut down. And especially the providers that we serve, uh, as Meg said, they got an influx of additional patients and, and those types of things where they were trying to figure out how to conduct business under these circumstances. So it, it is a situation where uh, no one knew how to react to it. And it's all new. And, and in some cases, people are still trying to figure out as we go. Um, so those first two months with, were rough. Uh, we did get impacted. We were significantly impacted. Our business took a significant downturn over the, ne- the next two months just because, one, people were trying to figure things out. Two, uh, CMS, we were waiting for direction from CMS because, as you can imagine, it was difficult for them as well and they were trying to figure things out. But we were fortunate. We were, uh, really, we were lucky. And sometimes it's, it's good. It's better to be lucky than it is good. Um, about two years prior, we had started an innovation group where I brought people together within the organization and challenged them to think about what will the future of accreditation look like? And uh, one of the the examples I gave, uh, which seemed far-fetched at the time, was that we would have these robotic or uh, remote surveys that we would conduct. And it was a simple concept of, having a, a electronic me- mechanism to be able to see a, a, a provider's a location without us physically being there. And it um, seemed far-fetched, but it was just used as an example of what we should be thinking about. It should be you know 10 years plus out. Well, the pandemic hit, and who would have thought that we'd be doing virtual surveys? Um, and really we were ahead of the curve, and in some cases we shared our experience and our processes that we very quickly developed in the virtual survey realm with CMS, and they've adopted some of the processes that we were already conceptualizing shortly after this hit. And so we were probably in a better position to be able to react to the situation because of that, I, I was gonna say forward thinking, I don't know if it was forward thinking, but at least it was um, coincidental that uh, you know we had, we talked about these concepts before they were actually necessary. Um, and, and so when that took place, we also, You know, our business, as I said earlier, we dealt with community-based health organizations. And generally, they don't have the complications that a hospital has or a a hospital network or even an ambulatory surgical center. Those typically require large teams to go in for an extended period of time to do surveys, where in many cases, a lot of the providers that we were going in to survey, uh, it was one or two people for a one day to three days. And so the complexity of the survey itself isn't the same. And so I think that we were able to implement the virtual process a little quicker, a little bit more effectively in that space where HVAP not only was not able to do that because of the complexities of the surveys that they conduct, but also because once CMS, the world, our providers, us figured out how to manage within this pandemic situation, um, I think that Uh, HVAP was in a favorable situation. We had surveyors that were available to survey, and we actually saw this as a market differentiator. And so even today, we would prefer to be able to do those on-site surveys with HVAP surveyors because we have them available. And we also don't want to be a burden on those organizations that seek our accreditation By having to do a two-step survey, a virtual first and then going back out later to do a second survey, because CMS has said that just a virtual survey in those spaces is not adequate. And so in order to not put that additional burden on our providers, we decided let's utilize the resources that we have and in some cases use it as a market differentiator to be able to go out and do one survey one time and have it be done.
0: Oh, I didn't understand that the the virtual survey process really, yeah, it wasn't just do it virtually and you're done. It was do it virtually and then at some time later come on site to do it. So right. so that makes sense because if you're doing a smaller organization with a smaller number of surveyors for a smaller length of time, um, the cost to do that, the resources to do that are, are significantly less than sending a whole hospital team out, for example, that might be there for four or five days. So so we've got two similar organizations working in the same industry, but without a lot of market overlap. um, And COVID has impacted your organizations very differently. So what what was the impact for the merger, um, which at this point was moving down the road,
2: Well, I think I think that we found that the merger process went relatively smooth. Um, You know, again, philosophically, we managed our business very similarly. Culturally, we're very similar. Um, I I think that generally in the industry, what you're finding is that mergers, in some cases during the COVID pandemic, have accelerated, Um, maybe because of the pandemic, they've accelerated. But this was a trend that was happening in the industry for quite some time. There was consolidation taking place in the industry and uh you know systems grew as independent hospitals merged with existing systems and so um generally organizations sought merger solutions to financial challenges and ultimately uh that's the case in 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 most industries when a consolidation takes place um and it also gives you an opportunity to not have duplicate services when when mergers take place so there is an opportunity for cost reduction as well when those when those things occur Um, I think what you'll find is our urgent care centers are growing fast and uh, joint ventures are taking place with systems that are trying to become a full service organization to the patients that they ultimately serve. And I think that that goes right along with where we think accreditation is going as well. Um, As we move forward, we believe that having one source for your entire accreditation needs Provides an advantage to those systems and and organizations that are looking for an accreditation solution as well.
0: So let's go. Let's pull back and look again at um, this specific merger, as opposed to mergers in healthcare in general. Um, This has been termed an historic merger. What if if mergers in healthcare were accelerating? What makes this merger? Historic? What's different about this merger? You, either one of you could jump in.
2: Well, I'm, I'm happy to comment on that. Uh, you know, I think that, as I mentioned earlier, mergers in, in general are, are common within the industry, within healthcare. Mergers between accrediting organizations are not common. Um, you know, that's why I think the joining of ACHC and HVAP is, in fact, historic. And I think the providers are looking to simplify life by minimizing the number of contractors that they engage. And and this gives them a real first opportunity to have a choice. You know, a full service accreditor also offers opportunities to operate in a coordinated and consistent manner because the expectations that are being put on that organization can be, in fact, consistent when you have a broad range of services that a creditor can accredit. So to me, I think that the future of accreditation is – organizations that have many services that they can provide as opposed to niche players that can only serve one segment of the industry. And I think for that reason, and as I mentioned earlier, because we have so little overlap between the two organizations, and we are able to provide that that continuum of care service solution, uh, I think that that's why it makes it such a historic uh, merger is because it's not common in the accreditation space and because of the ability to provide That that one accreditor that can finally give you a choice, which hasn't existed previous to this.
0: So you've both talked about um, the importance of culture within your organizations and um, indicated that the fact that your cultures aligned was important to the merger. Can you be more specific, Jose, maybe can you tell me why is this merger going to work?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And and Meg, feel free to jump in here if you uh, have additional comments as well. But I think together, ACHC and HVAP are filling a hole in the industry. Healthcare organizations want a comprehensive single source solution to meet their needs across all services they provide. And they wanna educate their staff on why and how of meeting regulatory requirements. They wanna reduce risk and liability by inviting an independent third party to review their operations. And and they want for it to provide a return on investment that they can see in their patient outcomes and feel in their bottom line. And I think that's really critical. And I think we offer that. And to, to your other question, the merger will work because we share the goal to be a partner for healthcare organizations that seek to improve the safety and quality of the care they deliver. It will work because our positive approach to the accreditation process that produces, it produces a better experience. We're committed to that. I mean, it, it's at a, it's at the core of our mission statement, and I, I think for those reasons, that's why uh, this is a it'll fill a need that perhaps is unfilled in the industry today.
3: Yeah, I think it's really important to go on the the learning concept. We've got surveyors that are out there surveying for compliance, but they're also out there teaching. They're learning things as they go in, into different facilities, and they want to bring these teachings to other organizations. So the the fact that ACHC and HVAP have this this desire to to learn and to teach it is really important. But I think even more importantly is that we foster a a process where the organization doesn't have any fear, and they can actually sit and listen and discuss and learn from the surveyors, as opposed to learning you know what kind of a an issue has a surveyor found. This is a a process where it's it's comprehensive. But, but it's learning and you have to um, have a process with the organization that allows them to learn while the surveyors are on site.
0: So clearly you both believe in this merger. How are you gonna know that it's worked? What kinds of um, metrics or signals are you looking for that
3: will tell you that it, you've been successful? So Jose, let me jump in here. Um, I think there's many ways to achieve compliance with the standard. We all learn that in the world of accreditation. Uh, we're interested in understanding uh, the compliance approach at every organization that we survey. We know that each organization has got their way of doing it. Uh, as I said earlier, you know, our surveyors use the standards to assess compliance, uh, but they're also leaving, looking to leave the organization knowing more. So the surveyors want to learn, but they also want to teach and share that information with the organization before they, they go. Um, they spend a lot of times traveling all over the United States, learning many things, and the ability to share with other organizations, I think is a lesson learned and a value added for going with an accreditation organization. Um, so HVP, uh, we were limited to a portion of the patient experience, and we very much had a goal to address the full continuum of care experience by the patient. So we were in hospitals, ambulatory surgeries centers, as I said before. But our merger with ACHC has really accelerated the achievement of this goal. Um, we're super excited to be a full service accreditor. I, I can't underline that enough. Uh, And we remain highly vigilant on quality, uh, being customer focused and making sure that we have that positive experience for our customers. So Jose, please jump in. What else would you like to add? Well, you
2: know, obviously from a business perspective, uh, we can measure success by the growth that we achieve. And, And as a matter of fact, I think that that's an element that the providers that are choosing an accreditor should consider. I think that um, you want to partner with an organization and a creditor that is viable in the future, is on a growth path, because ultimately that growth path is a benefit to you. It'll provide additional services in the future. It'll provide an infrastructure that that can support your need and your interest in the growth that inevitably these organizations have as well. So I, I think that Although growth may sound self-serving, it really isn't. And I think that providers need to consider creditors in the industry when they choose that partner that is on that type of path, because it provides for a very positive future and an organization that can support their growth going forward as well.
0: Okay. So I'm going to give you a challenge now. You have both talked about the importance of culture to the organizations that you have built individually and um, in the way that you approach the survey experience. And you've told me that these similarities between your organizations are what brought this merger to fruition. And in fact, it's um, how you're gonna measure the success as you move forward. So given all of that, I'd like to see how well each of you can characterize the culture of the organization that was not your legacy organization. So Jose, how would you describe HVAP's culture?
2: You know, Angela, great question. And and again, I think that if you ask myself or Meg the same question, I think you're going to get a very similar answer. And this goes back to why we were such a great fit. I, I think generally what we're found, what I've been amazed at, actually, uh, as I went through this process and I got to know the people of HVAC is how much they were able to do with the resources they had. As I mentioned earlier, our people are our greatest asset. And I've gotten to know each person on the HVAB team. I've been very fortunate that throughout this process, um, they've been very open and allowed me in uh, as as an outsider uh, into who they are. And uh, I've really enjoyed that dialogue with every single one of them. And I think that understanding their commitment to customer service, their commitment to doing what's necessary to make that experience that the customer goes through a really positive one, um it's one of the things i learned about them and and again all the reasons why it's such a great fit meg earlier talked about the fact that our survey process is educational it's collaborative we still hold organizations to a high standard but it's the process doesn't have to be difficult you know we don't have to be Um, a scary event. We are partners. We will not compromise our standards, but we will partner with organizations that truly want to become better and help them get there because ultimately that serves everyone well. It serves the patients that they serve, the organization themselves. And to be perfectly honest, it makes our jobs a little bit easier as well. So um, I think there's a lot of value to that. And if, if Meg and I were to write down, how do you characterize each of our organizations? And we compare the list afterwards, I think it's amazing how aligned we truly are. And so it, it, for all the reasons we've talked about, and I know I've repeated myself. Um, these were the reasons that I knew instantly that HVAP was the right fit for us, was the cultural, the business approach, um, and then the people that were uh, part of the organization. that just I had no doubt would fit so well into the previous ACHC organization, the, what we are now is one.
0: That's awesome to hear, Meg. I'm going to give you the last word. Uh, Jose said your last word would be the same as his, but I know you, and, um, (laughs) and I doubt that very strongly. So if you were to characterize ACHC, how would you do that?
3: You know, I echo what Jose said as far as the amount of work we got done with the resources that we had, and we always knew we could do more if we had more to work with. So if I only get one word to describe us as far as our culture, um, I would say ACHC is supportive with an exclamation point at the end. Um, I think it's really important to note that this merger has been done 100% virtually. Um, while I imagine mergers are not you know, thought of as a virtual process, um, it actually, I think, was a benefit to us because both HVAP and ACHC had one culture that was new. And this was this virtual process. And we wanted to make sure that it was rewarding for everybody involved, whether it be staff, surveyors, our customers, et cetera, et cetera. So one thing about me is uh, pre-COVID-19, I like poking my head into an office and having a conversation. Um, And at ACHC, I still poke my head in, although it's done virtually, and I do feel that high level of support with my new ACHC family. So, so the things that we were lacking, the ways that we could grow and get bigger and better, uh, the support that we needed, we definitely get that from ACHC. I mean, ACHC is filled with people who are very smart, they're very caring, super creative, uh, diverse is there. Uh, and on top of it, they like to have fun too, which is great. Um, So I think we're well-paired for our accreditation journey together. It's been great. Thank you so much, both
0: of you, for making time today to do this. Um, Our guests for Beyond the Standard have been Meg Gravesmill, ACHC Vice President for HVAP, and Jose Domingos, President and CEO of ACHC.
1: Beyond the Standard is a production of Accreditation Commission for Healthcare. Providers of accreditation services for a wide range of community-based healthcare providers, including home health, pharmacy, demi home infusion therapy, behavioral health, palliative care, hospice, and renal dialysis, as well as hospitals, laboratories, and ambulatory surgery centers. Each episode of Beyond the Standard takes a look at an impactful idea for healthcare provider organizations. We're especially interested in those that help organizations improve as they seek to meet the needs of their communities and the patients that depend on them. ACHC is by providers, for providers. Before you go, share your feedback by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. And check out our schedule so you don't miss upcoming episodes. For more information about ACHC accreditation, visit achc.org. While you're there, you can subscribe to this podcast and sign up for our newsletters.